Global consumerism is a $40 trillion a year phenomenon, which makes it the largest, most predictable investment opportunity on the planet. Who are the prime beneficiaries of global consumption trends? Mega brands. Welcome to the Mega Brands podcast series. I'm your host, Eric Clark. In this podcast, we explore mega trends through the lens of a global investor with the ultimate goal of identifying the most relevant, most innovative brands that are best positioned to become what I call mega brands. These are the brands that are customer obsessed, have a corporate culture of innovation and self-disruption, create products and services that are in high demand, that exhibit strong brand love from customers, are serving a global opportunity and appeal to multiple demographic groups. What's the reward for a company that meets these criteria? More revenue, more cash flow, higher market share, and the potential to reach the trillion dollar club. Please enjoy our next episode of Mega Brands. Eric Clark is the portfolio manager for the Rational Dynamic Brands Fund in conjunction with his partners at AccuVest Global Advisors. All opinions expressed by Eric and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of AccuVest Global Advisors or Rational Funds. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. Clients of the Brands Fund or AccuVest may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Okay, it is uh, Thursday, right at the market close, November 18th, and uh, I'm going to have a conversation with two really smart, savvy, uh, and incredibly timely guests, because we're going to talk about the metaverse and the companies that are, you know, destined to win and be a part of the metaverse, and you guys can take this old guy and bring him into the metaverse because I'm still the guy that, that keeps saying I want to touch, feel, and smell, and I don't want to be in a metaverse situation. I want to be where I can smell pine trees on my mountain bike. So I'm I'm what they call a dinosaur in the industry. But <laughs> what's up, guys? How's it going? What's going on, Eric? What's going on, Will? How you guys doing? By the way, I think we don't need to go right into that topic, but touch and smell. I mean. That's eventually coming it's in possible. a digital format, right? And t- <laughs> touch in particular, we're a lot closer than we are with smell. But even just today, I think Facebook announced they're going in on investing in haptic gloves so you can feel things within VR in a, in a way that is going to really feel like you're in, in real life, quote unquote. And that line's getting blurred, right? I right, mean. right. I just, call me, call me nutty, but I picture you know, picture a bunch of people doing all the things in the real world. And now they're going to wear the VR glasses and the haptic gloves and the, you know, whatever to do the same things that they could do in the real world, but in this, in the new world. And, and, but that's technology, man. You, you can't fight it. I'm, I am, I am absolutely a late adopter. You know, I, I've just, that's just, maybe it's my age. Maybe I'm just much more of a, I'm a simple outdoors guy. So technology has always been one of those things that I, I probably use my iPhone for 10% of what it's worth. <laughs> I mean, it. I think, I think we're going to all end up late adopters on this call in a sense in that, I mean, you think about Gen Z and the generation after that, I don't even know if we have a name for them, but you're talking about a group of people that grew up with an iPad as their nanny, if you will, right. Where they're 
they're digitally native. They like they've grown up where the internet and games and immersive worlds is just part of how they know the world. And like in that sense, it's going to be difficult for us who grew up. You know, I grew up. It was what, what were we using AOL Instant Messenger, right? Like that was my Roblox, my Fortnite. Um, so I guess I kind of straddle both, but also played games. But no, it's I mean it's absolutely true. And you know, a lot of this concept. Eric, that you just touched on, like um, these, the, the concept of digital assets and, and spending a lot of time in a virtual world isn't necessarily all that new, right? Like Sean knows this, but, you know, people have been spending billions of dollars in, on virtual assets in game environments for years now. And the, the video game industry is way ahead in a lot of ways in terms of the way the business models have evolved to that kind of future, I guess you could say. Yeah, and, and I, I want to get into that because we, you know, we talked a little bit about on Twitter and just for everybody's sake, you know, Sean is, is the founder of Avery. Uh, it's Avery.xyz, right? That's the email. Dot .xyz. We, stuck a, we took a playbook out of uh, Alphabet, so. There you go. Uh, and he's at sh- <laughs> underscore Sean David. And then there's Will Hershey from Roundhill. He's a co-founder and CEO of an ETF shop. And they have, looks like one, two, three, four, five, six, uh six seven, seven eight nine ten <laughs> <laughs> on soon, the way soon to have many more i'm sure in 2022 meta obviously is the the big home run thus far i mean the thing has last i looked over 570 million assets you said today they had you know eight million shares a day traded so i mean it's you know that topic that symbol again we, we joked and we talked last time i'm like i don't know what uh, zuckerberg offered you guys to take the meta symbol but i'm guessing it was a big number and i'm guessing he did offer his people did offer something (laughs) so you know kudos to you on the absolute (laughs) home run of timing of all time thank you no it's i mean i think it's been it's been a validation of the our our kind of thought here and we work with matthew ball who if if anyone has the opportunity to to take some time and really read about what this entire metaverse concept could be he's the guy to read um, we started working on this concept, I don't know, uh, with him, you know, second, third quarter of last year. And now to finally see, or not finally, we didn't have to wait that long. That's the crazy thing. But to see large tech companies, whether it's Facebook or Microsoft, or I think just today, uh, Nike in partnership with Roblox announced they're doing virtual sneakers and virtual t-shirts within Roblox. Like all of this is happening very quickly, but it's been in the works, right? I mean, if you think about Facebook, um, and how much they've invested even thus far into Oculus and, and, and VR and, and to a lesser degree AR. Um, this has been in the works for a while, but you know, obviously Facebook uh, changing their name to Meta kind of that, I mean, that's as, as much a stamp of approval in terms of how big this could be as, as anything else. And now other companies follow suit, right? It, that's, how, that's how Silicon Valley and, and the tech sector works is you kind of get a buzzword and then it slowly takes form in ter- terms of what it actually could be. But yeah, no, I couldn't have uh, predicted uh, that this kind of seminal moment would happen so quickly for sure. Yeah. And Sean, I mean, you know, I've known you for gosh, two or three years now, and I know Facebook has, has been in your portfolios for that whole time. And, you know, from, uh, you know, let's maybe jump into the metaverse in general, and then we'll link up where video gamers you know, the take twos uh, and the EAs and, and the Activisions of the world as the big ones, you know, because because in some ways, you know, my, my knee jerk reaction when I heard this was, 
you know, like you said, the, the video gamers have already been doing this in, in many forms. So they should, they should have an enormous lead. And maybe there's some, there's a major M&A boom that could come from that as, as other companies try to jumpstart their capabilities and technology and get in there. And then, you know, the other side of that equation is, well, you know, if, if we all have only so much time in the day, ultimately over time, when the metaverse is much more developed, does that suck away our time from traditional video game use and, you know, and how, do, how does all that play? But I mean, Sean, maybe you kick it off from a metaverse, from a Facebook perspective, you know, what's your, what's your, what was your view kind of before the, the metaverse really came up? I, I know that they had hinted about some of that stuff and, you know, from, from your thesis of owning Facebook, I know originally was kind of very social media, social commerce. When did that shift into this potential and what are your views kind of going forward to, you know, they spent, they, I think they decided they were going to spend 10 billion bucks or so on CapEx for the next, I don't know if it was 12 months or just some sort of a near-term budget, but that's a lot of money to throw it at anything. Yeah, I think, um, I think it all blends together, right? Social commerce and, and um, the digitization of many things. Um, and just the fact that the world is going more digital. Um, so Facebook's really leaned into this. I mean, when they acquired Oculus, um, several years back now, I mean, if, if you go holiday season by holiday season, we've just seen a, a exponential ramp in Oculus uh, headsets being sold. And I think that's just simply the, the, the beginning of kind of entering that, that virtual world. Um, now, I think uh, what happens today is I think a lot of people are trying to like uh, dissect it, whether it's like social or more commercial in terms of the use case here. Um, the social kind of feels a little bit, uh, the, the average person has a little friction to that idea um, when it relates to social. But, but again, when you think of more, like you, you drive bikes, you, you ride bikes, and I, I could see you uh, even putting on some sort of headset to maybe uh, tour some bikes and maybe tour uh, some part of France that you've never gone, uh, but doing it before you go there. Uh, astronauts do this uh, pretty often. Now it's really trying to uh, uh, dig these ecosystems or economies a little bit deeper. And that's where the gaming uh, side of everything has, has really done a good job. Um, everything from connecting uh, brands and then you're, you're the brand guy, but uh, a lot of the brands are gonna succeed in this environment. And again, I think that relates to someone like a Facebook where they have all the advertisers, they have all the brands, they have all the consumers, they have the AR, VR know-how. And at the, I think one of the last kind of like steps to this uh, journey is really around form factor and really taking form factor to a place where we've gone from kind of uh, big headsets. I mean, go back to some of the movies that we used to watch back in the day um, to connected Oculus, right? To then wireless Oculus to 299 Oculus. Um, I mean, last quarter Oculus was 75% uh, of all uh, uh, VR shipments. A year ago, on the same quarter, it was 34. So we've seen a uh, 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 pretty large jump in terms of their market share within this category. Um, and then again, they, they did a name change. So I think it all blends together. Um, and it's really around just trying to uh, think about all the different uh, pieces and applications of where um, virtual reality, augmented reality, and this kind of ecosystem called the metaverse uh, can coexist. 
I mean, did, did I read something? I mean, even Apple's talking about these glasses too. I mean, I, I can, you know, if you take the big glasses and you just, you know, from technology, everything's going to get smaller and more powerful. So eventually, you know, maybe you have something that appears to be like a, an Oakley set of glasses and this thing is just unbelievable rich content to be able to do other things. So I, I get I get that that opportunity from the consumer perspective. I mean, my, you know, I have 11 year old daughter and she went to uh, had a play date a couple of weeks ago and she came home. Oh my God, dad, you, you know, they had these, these Facebook Oculus glasses and it was the coolest thing in the world. And so on one, in one regard, the, the investor in me gets excited about that potential. And then the dad part of me is like, no, 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 I don't want you to be you know, I don't want you to be in that world too much because there's, you know, there's a lot of evidence about teen depression and all that stuff and happening from social media. And, you know, so I think there's a fine line, but it's, but it's pretty clear. This is an unstoppable technology ramp and there's going to be lots of winners. And I almost, you know, you guys correct me if I'm wrong, how I'm thinking about this. In some ways, I think, you know, use 5G as an example you know, Verizon and T-Mobile and all the, all the vendors are creating the pipe and the infrastructure. And that's a massive spend, but it's the, it's the, the, the picks and shovels providers that are going to get the immediate ramp of that revenue. And that's, you know, if you look inside the, the holdings of, Met, of the Meta ETF, I mean, you, you have a lot of those. Roblox is the biggest holding. You got NVIDIA, which is, seems to be the next trillion dollar company. You got Microsoft, Unity, Facebook, Tencent, you know, a bunch of companies that that all should have a piece in the building of and maintaining and expanding of this of this metaverse. So, you know, I'm certainly not surprised people are interested in the ETF. It's just, you know, who who are the immediate winners? Maybe let's separate it from hype and actual revenue generation is, is sometimes the the harder thing for guys like for guys like us. Um, yeah, well, but, I think. Yeah, go sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. No, I mean, I think like use, coming back to the, the Facebook example, right? I think the Oculus is, a, you know, is a great product. It's, it's clearly the leader within the VR space. We haven't quite seen adoption in VR hit the numbers that were being projected five, 10 years ago. Are we now at the point where the actual content and, you know, the, the headsets themselves were at the, at the point where we get the quote unquote killer app use case that creates mass adoption, right? I think if you look back to, I wanna say it was maybe three or four years ago, Pokemon Go was released by Niantic. Now that was the killer app for augmented reality. And everyone was playing Pokemon Go. And that game's actually still doing tremendously well, by the way, I was shocked to learn that even during the pandemic, when people weren't going outside, it was, it was, it was crushing it. I don't even know how much it's doing in, in revenues, it's well over a billion per year. Um, but I think that that's still yet to be seen, whether we're on the precipice of, of, of really mainstream adoption of VR. But this concept of the metaverse is not just VR. It's, it's virtual worlds, you know, and, and the concept of, you know, crossing between digital and, and physical. And, and that can mean AR. That can mean even just what we're doing right now, but in a kind of more 3D experience than video or text type of formats that make up today's mobile Internet. As we kind of as we kind of think about it, but in terms of who's, I mean, I think you need to look at the immersive game worlds as the as the companies who, in the very near term, are are starting to see the benefits of this entire concept, right? I, I, Roblox, which just so happens to be the largest holding, is clearly 
um, clearly a leader in the space and, and is doing very well. I mean, Roblox, I don't have all the, the, the data points in front of me, but is capturing such a remarkable amount of time of timeshare from the seven through 12 demographic throughout North America. It, it's really, it's really remarkable. And it's become kind of what you touched on earlier, uh, Eric, where it's not just um, you know, goal-oriented games that we're talking about now. It's social, it's social experiences, it's hanging out with friends. And yes, it is going to replace some of that um, physical experience. But look, we're on a Zoom right now, and you know, we're we've gotten comfortable with that over the past two years. I think you'll see something take place, but it's more generational in terms of how um, in terms of how much it's going to be accepted. I, I don't think you're going to have um, I think it, that's that's where you really start to see, you know, time spent in digital worlds. I don't want to say overtake physical, but I mean, we're kind of there now, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. do you guys, uh, maybe you guys have one of the VR headsets, the Oculus. Um, I haven't actually tried it yet. I get, I get crazy motion sick. Like yeah. I, I was yeah. the kid in the backseat going to Thanksgiving to grandma's that would be green. So the thought of, you know, putting the, those goggles on and, you know, getting literally instantly going down for <laughs> my seasick. But I mean, is the, is there enough content to be, to really make that purchase today interesting or, or, or is it, you know, you get to use it a little bit and then you kind of, you, sorry guys, you kind of worry about, you kind of worry about, you know, what that, you know, if you have enough content to keep your attention. So if you guys have any information on that, that'd be great. Yeah, I don't, th I don't think, uh, I think everyone's pretty well aware that the content uh, slate for many of the like Oculus uh, ecosystem, right, is, is thin, right? It's top heavy and it has a couple like Beat Saber and some others that uh, get a lot of the, the time spent in those applications. That's a fitness one. Some people are, are doing fitness inside of a, a VR uh, world. Um, pretty interesting use case for sure um, as some sort of experience. But at the end of the day, I think at, at each, uh, each year they, they provide kind of the, the type of um, studios that are generating 100 million uh, or more in, in revenue. And that keeps increasing or keeps doubling, doubling from pretty small numbers. Um, and I think that is the best way to frame kind of how successful some of the titles have been. Um, they've also been uh, acquisitive and they've just been gobbling up studios over the last, uh, I'd say a year or two um, within their ecosystem. But again, yeah, I think there, there is that tipping point where he talked about Pokemon Go, where what is that one that takes kind of mainstream adoption or mind share uh, and really commits everyone to go in there like a Squid Games or something like that and try to experience something uh, within uh, Oculus. But at the same time, there's explosive growth in the hardware. And, and again, I think um, it's, it's more of a matter of time and that, that one use case that we eventually get. Um, whether it's, again, I think that what they're trying to do, and you saw it on Horizons during the last developer conference for Facebook, is really trying to make this an every moment uh, product where it's wake up in the, not literally wake up in the morning and, and, and use these things, but it's uh, maybe your desktop, instead of having these physical desktops, you're having these uh, digital desktops. I think that's pretty interesting when you, when you talk about travel. Um, and instead of lugging around your, my 16 inch screen or whatever, um, everywhere I go, I have kind of this digital uh, uh, modem that goes with me uh, and two huge screens every time I'm, I'm traveling. I think that's just an interesting use case. And what does that do to things? We saw that in fitness, right? Where mirror now has a mirror that's now a fitness <laughs> mirror. Um, and no longer do you have, uh, or like uh, some of the others um, in fitness as well. So anyways, my point is, is 
that I do think uh, there's more content coming. Uh, there's different form factors. We're at the beginning of it. Gaming has, has taken it by storm. I think that's the obvious use case um, and the obvious ecosystem that's, that's benefiting today and will likely benefit with this type of uh, ecosystem for years to come. Um, beyond that, it's, it's kind of uh, case by case enterprise and, and commercial stuff that are out there like Boeing and, and NASA and some others. Yeah. I mean, if, if you think about it, old people and the handicapped in, I mean, you know, I watched that Microsoft video in, you know, in, in the, in the virtual conference room, like th there are so many different applications of this that I know, you know, Facebook is going to have their own, you know, utilization of the metaverse. But again, I, you know, as an investor, I keep thinking, you know, who's, who's going to get a, a perpetual revenue bump from all the building that has to happen for this infrastructure to win. And, and I'm guessing, you know, will NVIDIA, NVIDIA is a great example, right? I, I mean, mean, and there, you know, you know that old adage, you know, once a stock goes to 90 or even close to 90, it seems <laughs> like it's like 85, it goes to 100. I kind of feel like that's the the trillion the trillion dollar mark. You know, <laughs> Only in 2021, right? It's like a we wild and crazy, crazy world. That concept. <laughs> Big round numbers act like magnets and the hype around, uh, around NVIDIA, which is an unbelievably amazing company that I sold like 300 points ago or some crazy number because it was expensive then, um, probably is destined for the next trillion dollar mark. Just just to drive it back up to, you know, it just seems like the, the moment in time with the thematic and the, er, the earnings beats, the visionary CEO just seems to be all in the right place. It's, you know, a little too rich for my blood, but, you know, uh, let's, let's talk about, let's link the video gamers. Cause I think that's the, you know, you guys have the, the esports and gaming ETF. That's uh, the symbols nerd there. And I, I've looked at that, uh, a bunch just from a holdings perspective and you know what are both of your your views of you know if you've been in roblox or fortnite or call of duty or any of these games you like I, sean and i go back and forth for years i'm like i, I don't know why we don't, we aren't we're now starting to see these movies being created that are that are blending from a video gaming to the the pure enjoyment of of content and somehow they're going to blur the lines there but uh, is this overall positive for the gaming companies or is this maybe it's short-term positive but long-term negative i'd love to hear both of your thoughts you know will you want to go and then let john go yeah i mean i think i think it very much so depends on the type of games that a certain company makes right i think when you think about the concept of immersive virtual worlds and taking that a step further immersive virtual worlds that allow for agency and allow for user generated content um that's really the part that ties in most to the this metaverse um thesis and when i when i think about who's who are the players there there's roblox there's you mentioned fortnite there's minecraft there's there's grand theft auto um, and some of and kind of these open world concepts that really tie into um, this concept of a metaverse. Now, if you look at or, you know, it, and if you look at, um, you know, a game like a FIFA or Madden, that's very much so a closed ecosystem. And it doesn't necessarily it's hard to understand how that could tie into a broader kind of virtual world. And I think one thing we haven't touched on yet, but is this concept of the metaverse is not going to be owned by one company. And I think Mark Zuckerberg has been pretty adamant about the concept of not wanting to have walled gardens carry over into this web three environment of wanting to have 
this be like a, a fluid type of new internet where you can go from point A to point B, regardless of which company maybe controls that small piece of it. Um, but, but what I look to, to gaming companies more, I think they really, really have an edge. Now, mind you, you know, the US listed gaming companies, there's some individual things going on, particularly with Activision, we can, we can touch on that. I think they're very, I think for a while now, they've been very attractively priced from a from an earnings perspective. And I think what, what's maybe underappreciated in a lot, of, a lot of those cases is the shift that we've seen in business models from gaming. Oftentimes gaming companies are really kind of at the forefront of, of how, to, how to monetize. And you know, for a lot of these companies, you go through the top three, right? Take, take two as Grand Theft Auto, NBA, 2K. 2K, I guess they're still selling new one every year. But EA, you know, Apex Legends is one of their hugest, hugest uh, biggest properties. That's free to play. You know, I, I think the gaming industry has really quickly figured out that building these communities and games where you get millions and millions of people in every day and make that experience compelling enough where people want to spend time in these digital worlds, you can then monetize with digital assets rather than paying for the game up front, different from how it was like when, when we were kids, right? I'd have to go buy, uh, go to GameStop uh, and, and buy a, a physical cartridge or, 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 or CD. Now we don't need to talk about them. That the games as a service model, it, it creates recurring revenues. The margins are fantastic. I mean, if you're selling a, a digital uh, outfit for a character, I mean, yeah, you have some upfront design and coding that you need to do, but talk about a great business if you can get people to really buy into the ecosystem. So I think gaming companies in, in, in a lot of ways really are positioned here in that they understand this audience. Um, but now we're moving away or, or we're broadening the use case, right? If you look at Horizon Workrooms, if you look at you know, Microsoft, and, and, and now we're talking about taking what's been done in gaming and moving it to the workplace. And what are the next evolutions I, that are going to kind of be pushed out there? I don't quite know. But I, yeah, I mean, the gaming companies get it. And they've been, they've been doing this model for, for years now. The biggest games in the world are free to play. And, and all of the monetization takes place inside. Sean, I, I, know you're, I know your EA is a big part of your uh, one of your holdings, so I, yeah, I know no, you love I, that one, but in general. I agree, I agree. I, th I mean, he nailed Apex Legends in terms of that, if I'm just focusing on EA for a second. And, uh, and then Battlefield uh, 2042, uh, they announced like Portal, right? Which is uh, their vision of trying to create some sort of uh, user-generated content and customization inside the, the, the game. Uh, whether they're able to execute on that is one thing. Um, but it's these really big, large AAA titles that I think have an advantage in the, the ones, how he mentioned uh, open worlds. Um, Grand Theft Auto is clearly like the, the ultimate um, kind of open world of sorts. Um, obviously, it has its negative uh, connotations in terms of uh, what it uh, could possibly mean in a virtual world uh, with headsets on. But, um, <laughs> but again, I think... Uh, at the end of the day, even games like, or, or why we're hearing someone like an EA potentially question the relationship with FIFA, I think it's because possibly they want to branch out and maybe use these, these uh, players in different ways um, that aren't as closed as they were before. Now, FIFA has a brand and it has a reputation to, to, to keep uh, in terms of keeping um, uh, different types of games in different types of ways. But uh, again, I think uh, they, they have uh, Street and some other uh, titles as well that what they're trying to do again is, is lean in into these ecosystems of live services. I think like 80% of the revenues now come from live services. You're seeing that across the board. Um, and that's ultimately how they're monetizing. So when we talk about these digital ecosystems, monetization is like just a big aspect of it. I think they'll win. 
And then I talked about earlier, all these brands, like again, Gucci selling Gucci uh, stuff inside of uh, games or, or apps. I think it was in Fortnite um, that they did that in, uh, in addition to Roblox. So um, there's a lot there, but, but again, that was just a, a little set on, on EA and, and some of the game makers. Can you imagine the, uh, the, the parents that are getting, uh, will be, will be getting <laughs> unexpected bills from somebody buying, you know, the the $80 Nikes to put on their, you know, for the metaverse. All of a uh, sudden they're like, I just got a bill for a thousand dollars because you had to outfit yourself <laughs> inside the metaverse. That's crazy. It's it's gonna happen. I mean, it is happening, right? So yeah. Oh, I mean, it's totally happening in, in NFTs right now. And in a way, you could kind of say, you know, EA and what they've done with Ultimate Team was kind of like, you know, NFTs before NFTs were a thing. Right. Um, or loot, you know, loot boxes are kind of like minting NFTs in that you're kind of making a bet. You don't know what you're going to what you're going to get. Um, but I mean, that's part of this too, right? And I think crypto and and kind of um, NFTs in particular, kind of a, a another angle in terms of how this whole metaverse thing is playing out. And one kind of consistent theme throughout here is, which is a part of this, is like digital ownership of, of assets is something that we're all talking about throughout this entire conversation, right? Whether it's something branded from a company or it's from an artist that made a new NFT or whatever it might be, that's a consistent theme here. And that is, once again, coming back, that is the generational thing that, you know, I even at times have a hard time grasping, right? Like, how do you, how do you put so much value in something that only lives within uh, a single game and then, but then taking that a step further, if, if this metaverse concept plays out and I can actually not just own a skin or an outfit that I can wear in Fortnite, but I can wear that outfit from Fortnite to Roblox to, and, and, and it's actually mine and it, and it belongs to my identity. And I think if you think about social media age, and we could talk about the pros and cons of that, but how much individualism there is that's important to this younger generation. That's part of what this is. It's just a different manifestation of what outfit they wear out with their friends. It's now what outfits do they wear out with their internet friends. Right. Um, and that's, that's kind of point. the biggest, biggest concept. Yeah. yeah. That was a huge point. Well, you, so I'm just, you know, it's making my brain just start going to places what we were talking about EA. So, I mean, let's say the, let's say you're an Eagle fan, a lowly sad Eagle fan. <laughs> Um, which I don't even admit in public anymore, <laughs> but, but I can't get most Eagle games because I live in California until <clears throat> Amazon or somebody takes over the NFL contract. What's to stop EA or whoever from doing a deal with the NFL? I mean, if 27 million people can, can, can lean into a Fortnite concert, why can't 27 million people join a football game? instead of, you know, the stadium limiting 52,000, oh, right? Why can't 100%. I, why can't 100%. I go test drive the new Porsche or, or the Rivian or, or whatever with that immersive, which is just a selling tool or an entertainment tool that I'm willing to pay probably for a subscription. Why can't you sit every game courtside on top of that? Right. Absolutely. And 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 have and the NBA has actually done some interesting things here with actually allowing for that experience. It's I think not they have cool. stadium, right? Yeah. Stadium. Oh yeah. 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 And it's it's on Oculus. I right. th th it's just not quite there yet, right? Like we're on the precipice of all this stuff, but it's not the same as being at the game. It's just not yet. But it I have no doubt that we will get to that point. And Eric, that's like a fantastic point. Look at the when you think about these these concerts that have taken place. Now, mind you, that these are 
they're having millions of people, but they're not all in one iteration, right? Typically it's limited right now in terms of capabilities, even though they're like, they're very similar. It's like a hundred uh, and the, the companies that have built these battle royale genres, I think of a really um, big edge in, the, in that sense, right? Whether it's Apex or, or PUBG or Fortnite, because they've built the tech to have way more simply users in, in the game. But if you think about like the music concert industry, like if I'm Lil Nas X or Travis Scott or whomever, and I can, you know, reach 20 million people in a single show and how much that can then translate into merch sales. And maybe I even sell the digital merch, merch too, right? It's just like, it, it creates so many amazing opportunities and, and really kind of brings the world, it, 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 it removes kind of the, the, physical friction of having to be in person sure. now we're, we're seeing it all right now with zoom but it's not it's not the same but it, in, in ways it is right it's just all of these experiences are going to are going to happen in that way the question is how long does it take for you going to watch the eagles virtually to beat the experience of just watching on your couch and i don't think we're that far off but i guess we'll we'll have to see there now and so where does where does crypto and in the nfts where where are those worlds colliding? You know, is it just in the payment of these things, or and you know, candidly, I, I still my buddy has bought a few NFTs, and you know, he's tried to describe you know why he spent the money, and I'm just like, dude, I don't get it. <laughs> I just I just don't get it. But but I'm willing to I, I'm open and willing to learn. I just you know I'm I'm staring at a piece of art that I bought from this wacko Canadian artist. 10 years ago and that thing's appreciated in value and it's pretty and it's on my wall. And then I think about the NFTs and I'm like, so how does that work? But, but you know, how do you guys feel about the crypto and the NFT and the blockchain as part of this metaverse? Cause that's, that's clearly, you, you see people talking about it on the fringes, but I mm -hmm. certainly haven't read something that just made me, made my mind go, Oh, I get it now. And, and, you know, I suspect Matthew Ball will be one of those guys who's going to write that because he does a lot of writing and it's very detailed. Yeah, I mean, I think it, go for it, Will. No, no, no. I mean, I can take a stab. Like I, I, you know, I invested in crypto years ago, but it was kind of more of a speculative thing. And, it, you know, I didn't really know what the, the use case was going to be. And that, that was fine. This last go around over the past two years, I've really had that, Eric, as you kind of called it, like aha moment for like, holy shit, this is why this makes sense. And it, it, for me, it was only one use case, but it's coming back to gaming. And I spent some time uh, playing a game called Axie Infinity, uh, where each, each character that you use in the game, you need three characters to play the game, is an NFT. And you buy it through their marketplace. You have to go through the whole process. You take it, you know, you take US dollars to Ethereum. You convert the Ethereum into the Axie shard and the other thing. I mean, it's, it's an experience just to do it. But where... You know, you need those to play. You can, you can, and then to play while you're playing the game, you can earn more currency that you can then sell back to dollars. And, and if you haven't read about this, it's pretty fascinating. It, it's, it's become one of the more popular jobs in certain emerging markets is actually to play this game where you are being rewarded for simply playing. But this concept of, once again, digital ownership of these assets that have value to play the game and then also potential monetary value. That's where, where this starts to tie in. I think it's less so on the payments. Like I think the, the concept of going into you know, FIFA and buying uh, a Ronaldo jersey, like that, that works fine in US dollars right now. Um, but like these ecosystems in a lot of ways, I think are gonna be built on top of the Ethereum's and Solana's of the world. 
And if just to give you like a maybe better example, we, they haven't done it yet, but you could imagine how if Pokemon launched their card game, but every card was an NFT. I mean, that, that would just make total sense to me. Like, I, 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 I'm shocked they haven't done it yet. I'm sure they will. Um, I'm not even doing this justice. Like, really, you have, to, you have to, like, go and experience it and play this game yourself to be like, wow, okay. Sean, any yeah. thoughts? Yeah, no, I think, again, it's, it's uh, tokenizing all the things that are happening inside a game and being able to use whatever it is in that game uh, either within other games or in, with other means. Um, and we've been throwing examples kind of of d different things, whether it's uh, uh, a trophy you win that is coveted by all the other players in, the, in it, and now you can sell it. Um, and being the, uh, having it uh, in your name, in a sense, right, your ownership, and all of that on a blockchain, and interoperable, maybe it's within, a, uh, you can sell it in another game, um, so having these ecosystems, so behind the scenes, you have kind of uh, uh, blockchains or either one big blockchain um, and or blockchains that are overlapping. And they, that's kind of been a big discussion lately is uh, ensuring that um, there's interoperability between them um, and being able to essentially uh, transact things and, and have kind of that validation effect uh, of that good digital good across different blockchains or different games in the sense, right? So I think that's really what uh, is the secret sauce here. And the gamers get it because they've been doing this for quite some time. Um, some of the, the original uh, kind of crypto uh, nerds to say the least uh, came from gaming. Um, and it's because they've been doing this for a long time. I mean, in the physical world, look, you go to Dave and Buster's, you, you give them 20 bucks, they give you tokens and you start getting stuff. Um, and then the little kid covets your little bear and you give him the bear and it's his bear. But this is more like authenticating who owns what and, and doing so in a digital world. So I think just to, just to tie that, just to add one last point there before, before we maybe move on. If you think about how much time gamers are spending within a game to level up their character or to get the best digital asset, even though that might have value to someone else, it's all within it's all walled off. If, if they're doing that in World of Warcraft, it cannot leave World of Warcraft. Activision Blizzard does not allow for that asset to leave. When you introduce a blockchain and NFTs, it truly belongs to the individual. Now, we're not at the point yet where maybe they can take that uh, digital outfit and use it in another environment, but that's where we're going to go. And just that concept of like spending all of that time in a virtual world where you kind of lose it. Like, you know, once the new game comes out, no one cares right? Like if you spent all of that time to get the gold, whatever it might be. But now if you have the gold, the gold outfit, that's not a great example, but bear with me. <laughs> Maybe it's gold skin on a gun. It's more realistic. And now you can, can, can like own it and use it in another environment. That's where that for me was the aha moment, but like, it's, it's kind of like, we're not there yet, but you have to be a little bit creative in terms of understanding how that can kind of play out. Right? Yeah. It's when, it's when there's more of them. And, yeah. and, and the, the populate, the density of all these goods start to become tokenized somewhat and there's more of it. And then I think I will be able to see a little bit, I mean, it's like every, every uh, decade that passes um, more and more things, obviously in different ecosystems are presented. And I think this is the same thing 10 years from now, there's going to be a lot of things out there that someone could, could uh, own. Therefore there may be a population set that wants that uh, good or service or whatever it is. 
Um, and as long as it is kind of on a blockchain, um, that could be easily transferable. Um, I think that's where that power starts to happen. So again, it's, it's kind of these network effects that need to take place both on the asset and on the, uh, the, the users. Yeah, and I think the, the last thing there is, is the concept of a standard, right? Like we have file standards of a, a JPEG or a dot .wave and what will be, I'm just using it, this is probably not the best example, but if everyone has an avatar in the new digital world and everyone has, or maybe there'll be a, a, a dot, whatever it is, that is your shirt. And then if you earn a shirt in a given game, it doesn't just belong to that game, it belongs to your avatar within this entire new world, right? And that is where um, stuff needs to get built out. And I think that's where the companies like Facebook and Microsoft and, and who are kind of really trying to do this in the right way, they're gonna build those standards in a way that everyone can build on top of them. And I think in a lot of ways, that is um, part of why DeFi and Ethereum have, because the community is built in such a way that it, it really has encouraged things to be built on top of um, what's in place. Well, so, so does that imply, I mean, when I think about all this stuff, all I think about is the sheer amount of data that's being created and that needs to be stored. <laughs> I mean, like setting up the, the cloud providers, I guess, I just love, let's create a whole new world. That's a, just a whole new world worth of data that we need to be charging on and storing and updating. And what a wonderful recurring revenue stream that is, huh. uh, you know. Um, let, let's, we only have a couple more minutes. So I, I would love to hear, you know, it's, it's late November headed into Thanksgiving, you know, let, let's talk about, you know, wh what your, what you guys kind of see for 2022. I mean, Sean, I'll start with you first. Cause you're running a, a very, you know, high conviction portfolio. How many names are you guys running currently? If you, if you're okay. uh, 12. Okay. So you got 12 names you know, on your website, you know, you got this innovation, growth, quality, value, kind of contrarian, um, you know, all of those, those buzzwords that, that are where you try to, you know, try to play inside of that portfolio with 12 names. What, what are you, you know, listen, markets at all time highs, valuations that are all time highs for, for most things, you know, I, we could use Capri as a good example of a, there's plenty of names out there that are definitely not valued probably according to where they should be, certainly where the markets are. So there's always going to be those kind of opportunities. But, you know, as you look out a year, what, what do you what do you think 2022 is going to be like? What areas are you excited about? And, and then we can move on from an ETF, you know, an investment perspective. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what the market's going to do in 2022. I'll tell you that. You don't? Um, <laughs> I was but, told. I was told that you knew. <laughs> uh, well, my my views, uh, at least for the next like 12, 18 months, um, is really trying to understand kind of again of the beneficiaries over the last let's say eighteen months of uh, digital native companies that have succeeded. Um, what is going to stick? And I think uh, there's different areas, and we didn't talk about uh, this in as it relates to like the metaverse, but like. The company like a Zillow, right, in the digital real estate uh, realm, I think digital real estate um, and the digitization of one, the transaction, but also the real estate itself in, in these weird, in these different worlds. I think Zillow is, uh, is someone that could eventually play a material role in that space. Um, 227 million users on a monthly active basis. Um, again, I'm not uh, promoting the, the company, but uh, I do think the digitization of real estate is a big trend. Uh, over the next year, uh, 18 months, 24 months or so. Now, other companies that kind of come to mind or different areas is 
is kind of that freelance gig economy that we think uh, is continuing to um, mature and grow. Um, and I think what COVID did was allow uh, companies to experience talent without meeting that talent um, in person. And what that does is set up marketplaces that have freelance gig economy digital services to really flourish. So the Upworks of the world, the, the Fivers of the world, I think are well positioned uh, as companies now accept the, the, the fact that they can actually hire uh, without actually knowing the individual. And actually maybe ratings, uh, star ratings are, are a little bit more tangible <laughs> ways of measurement. Um, and then gaming, I think gaming will just continue. Um, uh, I think uh, we, we really haven't seen a plateau. We've seen slightly a plateau, but not uh, a deceleration in, in the engagement around gaming in general. And so I think gaming is broadening. It's becoming more social. It's becoming more global. Um, and with that in mind, I think uh, there's a lot of uh, uh, companies in that, whether it's EA and some of the others have their own issues. Um, but EA is, in our opinion, is well-priced, well-capitalized, and has a right mindset in terms of uh, where they think the world of gaming is going. And Apex and, and Battlefield are, are uh, key standouts uh, for the next uh, year or two. Have you ever, have you ever, I mean, maybe since it's such a high conviction portfolio, have, have you ever had a, a multiple competitors in, uh, in the portfolio together? Meaning like if you, if you think gaming, yeah, I mean, let's face it, gaming did really well in the, in the pandemic, but those stocks have just done nothing for 18 months or whatever the number is. And every time I look at the chart of EI, I keep thinking it's going to break you know, it keeps, 145. It keeps, yeah, it keeps going up to that, that, you know, kind of the water level and then it just fails. And I keep waiting for this when it does break above, it's going to be a powerful move. So, you know, is there a, 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 do these things get more attractive where you might want to take more exposure or would you, do you just really love the, the differentiation of, of EA's model? Well, I like, I, I do like the owned and licensed model. Uh, I think from a from a safety net standpoint, um, and I also like that that license model. They're executing incredibly well. Um, uh, I know it gives them a little bit of uh, or not as much ownership, right? So obviously over what they can do with it. But I think we're starting to see some of that now. But 100 million users playing FIFA um, and pretty similar figures for someone like uh, for Madden, I think are incredible. And on the own side, I think they're starting to build up their acumen a little bit more with Respawn as a studio has really executed well with Apex. Um, and they're continuing to focus on, on building out that battlefield, uh, 2042 early indications are, are, are semi-mixed. I mean, I think they, they skew more positive than negative. If you actually look at not just media outlets and, and kind of, uh, the, the consistent negativity around some of EA's products uh, in general, but, um, but I do think, uh, I do like the owned and, and licensed model. Activision has their own problems. Take two is, uh, doing, uh, uh, fairly well, depending on which game titles we're talking about. Um, and in general, I think, uh, for us, we're, we're sticking to one here. Um, but I, I, I do think, uh, across the board, uh, in gaming, uh, you're, you're riding a, a strong tailwind. So, right. uh, nerd, nerd's probably a pretty good, uh, uh, ETF there. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Will, you know, from, from your perspective, you know, let, let everybody know how you guys communicate to people, what kind of content you guys create, not only for meta, but for, for all of the strategies. Cause I, you know, you, as a guy who uses ETFs on occasion on my side of the business, and then my team who uses ETFs even more, you know, we're always interested in not only 
the the interesting slivers of of thematics but also a lot of the content that people create mm -hmm. and you guys you, you know kudos to you you guys do a lot of that and i and i, I think there's a reason why you've been more successful because it's not easy raising assets you know a lot of people think you know launch an etf and you're you know you got a two or three hundred <laughs> million to, tomorrow occasionally that happens but it's it's a grind. There's a lot of offerings out there. So what do you, you know, what do you do for, you know, from a content? And then, you know, if you can talk about any, maybe if you, maybe you have something launched in the next month that you can talk about, whatever, you know, that's up to you. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, and you're absolutely right. It's, it's kind of this concept that I think VCs like to use of, of quote unquote product market fit. Um, I think it really does apply to ETFs, particularly, well, ETFs in general, I was going to say particularly thematics, but you could say the same case for for low cost beta, right? In that case, being low cost means finding your, your fit, right? And if you're, the, if you're the same index, that could be what, what wins you. But, but no, you're absolutely right that it's not, it's definitely a slog, particularly uh, when you're just getting up and running. And you know, for context, uh, we just passed a, a billion in assets uh, maybe last week. We were less than 10 million in assets um, about a year and a half ago. So things can, can change quickly. Wow. Um, <laughs> but, uh, in terms of what we do, um, really we try and focus on educating people, not on the ETF because the ETF, you know, all of that information is pretty, pretty widely available on our website. Um, but rather focus on interesting trends and, and all of our ETFs pretty much are focusing on these themes. And, and, and so what do we do there? We have a weekly newsletter that, that we're sending out. We do a monthly recap that goes a little bit more in depth and actually touches on the ETFs. We're writing blog pieces. Um, on Twitter, we're pretty active, mainly around sharing news stories, not going necessarily too deep. We try and save that for the, the other types of types of work. And then where we can, you know, um, as I'm sure you guys can appreciate being in the business as well, um, getting in front of the media um, and kind of telling our story to a broader audience um, has been a part of our strategy too. In terms of stuff we have up, uh, up and coming, I think I can, I never know the rules, um, but uh, you know, we've filed for these publicly. Well then, yeah. So, if anybody can find can find the public, so, oh, there it is. I found it. Good. I found it. <laughs> so that if we have filed for three ETFs publicly that are filed with the SEC, all I can say, I guess, is like what they are in their name. I, you know, everything else is in the prospectus or the right. initial prospectus, I should say. We have filed for cannabis, digital payments, and you guys are going to go crazy after the last one. <laughs> Meme stocks. Oh, geez. Wow. You're going to perpetuate the, the media. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very thoughtful methodology. I don't believe I can talk about it because it's in the prospectus. Or, well, there's, isn't, isn't there that buzz ETF that kind of has that, you know, some sort of a similar, I don't really follow it too much, but hey, man, you know, I, I always, when people say, you know, what, why is that company going up or why is that company going down? And, you know, we can all create narratives, but it's just more buyers than sellers or more sellers <laughs> than buyers. So if, if any thematic or group of companies catch people's attention in, in a world where Wall Street bets and all that other stuff happen, yeah, or short squeezes or whatever, you know, ha having, a, having an offering for people to get quick access and be able to get in and out whenever they need to in any thematic, to me, is just a service offering, you know, so... Yeah. No, I mean, look, I, the last thing I'll say on that is, I, you know, I'm a pretty traditionally trained guy, I guess you could say, uh, within with financial background, like 
something has fund now maybe it's just low rates but something has fundamentally changed in the way that certain securities act in the market and like if you had asked me I, you know when GameStop first happened I would have said this is going to look like every single pump and dump chart I've ever looked at in my entire career I know how this plays out but something has changed whether it's too much liquidity in the system or whether it's the world is different and you know this time is different and you know you know Wall Street bets is different than the Yahoo message boards is, you know, I was on when I, when I was kind of around that age, like, I don't know, but there's something that it, it's really trying to capture that, that zeitgeist um, that we're doing in that product. But it's, it's crazy time. I will, I will say in capital markets. Well, listen, you can short, you know, listen, you can short it. You can, you short, can short, it. short these things too. So if you know, you, you can ride, you can ride the train, the uptown and the downtown train <laughs> for, for any of these purposes. And I'm, you know, when I, I used to work for a primarily a bond shop called Lord Abbott. And I remember when I was in, in training that, you know, the, the high yield manager just said, hey, as long as you always know that every business cycle ends in tears, you're going to be fine. You just have to figure out when the tier part is going to start. But, you know, you're right. There are so, I mean, Rivian is a great example. I mean, I can't, I mean, I've ordered my Rivian. I'm sure that I'm like number 58,000. So I'll get it in 2026. For sure. I, I don't like, but I get the interest in a business because people are, look, they look at Tesla and they say they created a new business. They changed the world. The whole world now is moving towards that business model. There's going to be a massive amount of demand. These guys are building vehicles in the two most important categories. Like the, the narrative is sexy and it will make sense at some point, you know, there's not even a price to sales on it. No, no, of course <laughs> not. Well, I love somebody, somebody, just put a price. Out, somebody put out a tweet the other day. It was like, you know, ABC company has this, you know, has the same amount of revenue as Rivian and, you know, neither one of them have any sales and one's, you know, 130 billion. <laughs> yeah. One's twelve billion or something it's like comp. that. That's the comp. Yeah, but, uh, we went from price to earnings to uh, price of sales, net a uh, price to deliveries. I think. Or I think it's called price of hope. Price, price to orders. sales is crazy <laughs> in and of itself. Price to sales is so crazy that that's, that's everything crazy. now. It's crazy. I, it like how quickly has that changed? Right? Like, I don't know. I, I used to work in energy, and it was like you you weren't even talking about you know. EV to EBITDA multiples that are anywhere near what the price to sales multiples are now. Right. Like, I, I don't know. Well, it, it, I don't know. It, it, Can't I'm fight it. Enough, I'm old enough to know that it will end when it ends. It will likely end. I remember I worked for a value manager in the late nineties and, you know, we had great returns. Nobody cared because we were out buying, you know, an industrial company and everybody in, in, in 90, you know, 98, 99 and early 2000, if you weren't super high beta tech or mm -hmm. biotech or internet, it didn't matter. You, you, no, no earnings release that you could have released if you were outside of those industries, anyone cared about. So even if the stock gapped up on earnings, they sold it right back down. And then when the, when the bubble finally burst and valuations just finally went to a place where they didn't make any sense anymore, then all that money rotated out of those names. They, everybody ran through a, a narrow door together. Those stocks crashed and then money flowed back into you know, more, more normal things. And, and that'll probably happen again. Maybe it's with the Fed, maybe with interest rates finally normalizing. I don't know. The Fed doesn't seem to ever want to back away 
from you know every 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 short-term calamity is met with more money printing. So maybe this is the new normal and it's here to stay for 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 a long time to come. Who knows? That's why we that's why we look at stock charts as well as fundamentals, I guess. Sure. So I don't think they're ever taking the punch bowl away, to be quite honest. With you. Can they at this point? I don't think so. We 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 tried in 18 and I don't know that that didn't uh, end so well. And uh, so we'll see. Well, uh, here's There's a lot more back in that. What <laughs> I hope for. Listen, Sean, one one quick uh, thing. Good word. When you were talking about Zillow and yeah. the, the digitization of real estate, and I'm like, wait, maybe I do have a chance at getting my lakeside property in Tahoe. <laughs> yes. You have to be in the metaverse. It's raining here in Miami, and I wish I was on the beach right now, somewhere else. You know. You got so a little time. You have you the there. ability. You can you can go anywhere you want to be, anytime you want to go there. My desk would be a uh, oceanside. It'd be great. There you go. All right, guys. Cool. Uh, super excited again. Sean Avery, Avery.xyz, um, at underscore Sean David. Uh, Will Hershey, RoundhillInvestments.com, and he's at. at no, you got to tell me at maybe bullish. What's that about? I don't know how I came up with it. It's incredible. It was kind of, was kind of like ha handicapping. Uh, you should NFT you know, my, that one. Yeah, exactly. It was, <laughs> I don't know. It's just having fun. Twitter's awesome. Absolutely. And <laughs> also at Roundhill. So I listen, man, cool. I, I, all of us listen to you guys. We read a lot of your content. So thanks for putting all that information out. I mean, I don't own the stock of Twitter for a variety of reasons, but I, you know, I don't think anybody can deny how much information you can get off of Twitter, how, how quickly you can connect with people that would be very difficult to connect with through Twitter. So if they can figure out a way to monetize that in a better way, I'm, you know, I, don't, I can't for the life of me figure out why they haven't already. Maybe it's because <laughs> when you start it free, it's hard to de-anchor from free. But, you know, I've met you guys through, through Twitter and, you know, we just, you know, enjoy all of the commentary you guys put out. And um, I will, uh, I'll, I'll kind of clean this up a little bit and then I'll send everybody the, uh, the recording. Cause I think it'll be a good one for people. Awesome. All right. Cool. Thanks for doing this. Yeah. Thank you. Guys. All, All right, Eric. Too. All right, Will. All right, guys. And congrats, man. Good stuff. Oh, thank you. Have a good one. All right, guys. Bye, Eric. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for listening to Mega Brands, everybody. I'm your host, Eric Clark. For more information on this podcast and to learn more about the brand relevancy scoring system we use, be sure to check out the website at globalbrandsmatter.com. While you're there, make sure to sign up for the market newsletter and check out my latest thoughts on our favorite portfolio brands in the Dynamic Brands section. If you have any questions or want to learn more about the Dynamic Brands approach, send me a message on the contact tab. Thanks again for listening, everybody. Have a great day.